We are now going to turn our attention to a lot of concern about what is happening with uh, COVID-19 across the nation, um, where deaths are creeping up, uh, heading to 400,000 people across the nation. In California, at least 30,000 people have died. In Southern California, things are very, very dire. Uh, but what is very much underreported, what is happening uh, in uh, prisons. And I'd like to welcome our guest, Kelly Savage Rodriguez, is the new Drop Life Without Parole coordinator for the California Coalition for Women Prisoners. She was recently released from prison at 46 years old. She was incarcerated for 23 years. Governor Brown commuted her life without parole sentence in December of 2017, and she was finally released on parole in November of 2018. As a domestic violence survivor, um, Kelly was forced to experience the similarities between domestic violence and the violence of incarceration. She was an inside member of the California Coalition of Women Prisoners, known as CCWP, for 15 years and helped initiate CCWP's organizing to end life without parole campaign. Kelly Savage Rodriguez, welcome. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for allowing this platform um, about COVID. It's such a dangerous time inside. It means a right. lot. So Tell us what is happening with this massive outbreak at the Central Valley uh, Women's uh, Facility. I earlier said it was Chowchilla. Was it at Chowchilla or um, it, another it's facility? CCWF, um, the Central California for Women's Facility in Chowchilla. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure that was correct. So what's going on there, Kelly? Um, so unfortunately, the cases in the last um, about three weeks have really spiked, um, going from having a couple hundred uh, on quarantine, you know, monitoring the situation due to staff um, having uh, positive cases to um, having over 600 people actually test positive. Part of it is due to the fact that there's not a consistent um, policy of testing that shows how the numbers change. Um, but sadly, across the state, we're losing people left and right. Three weeks ago, we had 100 people pass. And those are, you know, important real numbers that we need to think about. But now, as of today, we're at 164. Overnight, we lost two more. It, yesterday, we lost 10. I mean, that's a huge numbers across the entire state um, that we need to look at. But at CCWF itself, um, the numbers are, are becoming very dangerous because they're not doing a good quarantine process. Um, they just allowed people to come in from the county jails after CDCR said no new intake would be um, processed. And we, we've got new intake happening. So it's really dangerous to keep allowing that to occur. But unfortunately, they're not listening. Um, we're trying to get basic care for individuals who are sick, 
We have individuals who have no electricity in their room because the rooms used to be designated as a um, special form of punishment, um, so they couldn't have um, anything but the lights, um, the overhead light. And so someone who has an active case of COVID who maybe needs some hot tea because it's really cold and rainy, um, you know, we want to make sure that they have basic comfort. They don't even have that because they can't even access hot water. Um, that those kind of conditions are really, uh, you know, um, extreme and beyond cruel and unusual punishment because. Someone, you know, we think about the basic cold and just trying to get, you know, some type of comfort. You're not even seeing a doctor. COVID is such, you know, it's more of an extreme situation, and yet they're not seeing mental health. They're not seeing medical. You know, if you're quarantined, you can't use a phone to let your family know you're okay or find out if your family is okay on the outside. Um, So there's so many more things um, that need to be addressed, especially um, at this institution, because the number is spiking so drastically. Yeah, that's more than 25% of the population. And we were reading reports that the the units, that um, the quarantine areas, are basically filthy, and that this exacerbates the breathing problems for those with uh, COVID-19, and that quarantine units don't have access to the disinfectant and cleaning supplies, though those items are absolutely essential. And the other part of that, too, I was reading recently that some of the disinfectants uh, that are being used um, for people who have asthma is dangerous for people who have asthma because it, it can trigger an asthma or other uh, respiratory issues. So, uh, you know, I mean, not having disinfectant or cleaning supplies at all, but it seems as though if they did have um, disinfecting and, and cleaning supplies, they needed uh, to use the non-toxic types that weren't, wouldn't trigger um, asthma and other respiratory issues, which we know is very high among people of color and women of color and some of whom are bound to be in that facility. Um, your thoughts, uh, Kelly Savage-Rodriguez? Oh, definitely. So how we had a, a panel about um, COVID and, and what the effects were and um, how people were being treated in the facility. And immediately thereafter, this was um, with Kamlager, Assembly Member Kamlager, um, having a conversation about people who had just actively gotten out of the institution and explaining that, you know, having cleaning supplies were almost non-existent. Well, when that was happening, we had, um, at the same time, were receiving reports um, the day after, some, some up to five days after, where staff had informed them that they were taking all the cleaning supplies out of their room. And I understand that for safety and security, some situations need to occur to, to minimize um, access. However, not denying every single part of basic care is unacceptable during a pandemic. So they took out um, access to a broom, but you're eating in your room because you're on complete isolation. So you don't have a broom to clean up after yourself. You don't have even Comet to to clean up the sink areas, um, that kind of thing. And you have eight people per room. 
So this is a really difficult um, process to try to get um, CDCR to understand. There has to be a middle ground. Staff at this point, yes, I, I understand they're overworked, all that. They're having to serve um, food. They're having to, you know, ensure that people, um, you know, are safe in their cells. But at the same time, they need to provide multiple uh, times a day that people can clean their rooms, especially when you have eight people in a, in a room who can't socially distance, some who are um, having active cases, some who are asymptomatic, and, and some who are absolutely just exposed and not positive. Having been tested and found that they are not positive, you should not be in a room with someone who has tested positive. If somebody right. has tested positive, they should be somewhere, you know, in a in an area where everyone tests positive. Unfortunately, that brings about more problems because if everyone's sick, no one can help each other because they're struggling just to, to survive themselves. And so there's many difficult parts of the process, but unfortunately, they're not addressing any of it. They're just blanketly not providing basic care, um, having an opportunity to, um, you know, have little creature comforts. They're denying people access to some of their property. Not only are they denying access, they've lost a lot of people's property during the transition. And so these people are, are finally getting back to their units, not their own rooms, but um, back to regular units in the facility and finding out that most of their property is gone you know, uh, pictures and, and, and things that help them survive their time are, have disappeared and nobody's being held accountable. And so, um, you know, where they had that extra bottle of shampoo to clean their rooms with because they're not receiving chemicals to do it with, um, now they've even lost that. So it's just one more tactic. And for them to take the time to search their things while they're sick is kind of not, I mean, it's definitely inappropriate, but it's kind of sadistic in a way. You come back and you had two blankets, now you only have one and you're sick and you can't even wash that blanket. It, some of these uh, procedures are, are definitely inappropriate and they are unable yeah. or unwilling to do anything about it. Just, just horrible, horrible uh, situation. And uh, we are also going to be doing a segment um, very soon about the sterilizations that are happening of, of women uh, who are in prison. But we, we are out of time. We are going to have to leave it, leave it there. But um, Kelly Savage Rodriguez, for people who are concerned about what they're hearing and who want to be in touch with the California Coalition for Women Prisoners to find out what they can do, what should they do? So on our website, it gives you plenty of different um, ways to be a part of the action, contacting the institution, that kind of thing. So um, uh, California uh, Women's uh, California Women's Facility is just one of our um, facilities that we take care of. We also work with CIW as well, which is um, down south okay. in Central California. Uh, or in sorry, uh, Southern California. So you can um, support both institutions just getting on our website at womenprisoners.org. Okay, thank you so very much and all the best to you. Uh, stay well and safe, Kelly Savage Rodriguez. Thank, thank you. you.